morning's message is entitled, It's All About You. If you will, open your Bibles to John 3.16 with me. I'm sure no one knows that scripture at all, right? And we've never heard that one before. We've never seen Tebow written across his nose and all there. It's the most known scripture in the Bible. We're going to read it out of the NLT, and it says, For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Now, if you've been around us at all for any length of time, you know that that is one of the founding scriptures of our church, is John 3.17. God didn't send his son to judge the world, to condemn the world, to point the finger and say you're bad, but to come to save them. This morning, we're going to be looking at first fruits. And the first place we see first fruits is actually in the first book of the Bible, which is Genesis. But before we do that, we have a video for you. So take a look around. What do you have that God hasn't given you? Every heartbeat, every breath, every good and perfect gift comes from Him. He is the ultimate giver. He literally gives us gifts that we can't comprehend. Think about this. There are more electrical impulses generated in one day by a single human brain cell than by all the telephones in the world. Or how about the fact that food tastes delicious? It didn't have to taste delicious. It could have all tasted like kale. But no, it's fantastic. We plan our day around good tasting food. God gave us this. And then there's our health. We're not healthy because we deserve it. We didn't jump in a 55-gallon drum of yogurt and spinach. Our health is a gift, a gift that is too often taken for granted. God has always given to me knowing that he would get little in return. He is a father that enjoys giving good gifts to his children. I've heard it said that it's possible to give without loving, but you can never love without giving. And that is his example. For God so loved the world that he gave. Like most people, I'm often driven by what I don't have when I should be driven to seek the heart of God. Because God's heart is revealed in His generosity. Maybe my heart is too. Isn't that amazing? Just the thought of all the things that are going on in our body, and we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But first, if you will, open up your Bible to Genesis Chapter 4, we're going to look at verse 2 through 5, and this may be a familiar story. Most people know about Cain and Abel, and we're going to read through this because this is one of the first times we have record of an offering being given up. And I will tell you at the outset of this, I'm so excited. I've been so excited all week long knowing what God has gotten for me, and there is a trick Really not a trick, but there is a question at the very end of this that preempts next week. And I just, I want to get to that. I want to ask you that right now, but I'm not going to. I'm going to stay on target and I'm going to stay on track here. But in verse 2 of chapter 4, it says, When they grew up, Cain and Abel, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. And when it was time for the harvest, Cain 
presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Verse 4, And Abel also brought a gift, the best of the firstborn lambs of his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. Now, so many people say, well, why did God accept one and not the other? Because God said to till the ground. We looked at that before. And God also said to raise the cattle and to bring the first fruits. But if we can put that verse back up, um, verse 3. Something really, really jumped out at me. For when it was a time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift. He didn't give God what he really asked for the first of everything and to give an extravagant gift to him. But he just thought, hey, I can just give God something. The next verse says, but then Abel brought the best of his firstborn lambs. See, God has a principle in the Bible of looking for the first fruits. So the first of everything. So as we stand at the beginning of a new year, we have seasons that are just there. The number of times we go around the sun, I mean, however you want to look at it. We are entering a new season whether we like it or not. Last week we talked about it's like hide-and-go-seek, ready or not. We're here. It's there. We're right now in this new season. So this is the time that we look at that. Proverbs 3, verses 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. So this is way after Cain and Abel. We see this is a principle of God. And this is a pastoral message. This is one of those things that we need to hear. We need to hear again. We need to recircle around. We need to revisit these things. And there might be something or two that you haven't seen in here. It says 4, verse 10, so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Verse 9 And from the first of all your produce. See, that's what God's desire is for us. He gave his first son. He gave an example to us. And he's saying in Proverbs, we should also do the same thing. Matthew, we see a similar thing. Chapter 6, verse 25. For this reason, I say to you, for this reason. Okay, like, hello, get your attention. For this reason... Do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat, this is Jesus talking, or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on, or is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? I will tell you in day 14 or day 15, whatever it is, of fasting and prayer, I'm not sure that life is more than food and drink. I'm really hungry right now, and I'm really looking forward to the fasting being over. But it wouldn't be a good fast and prayer time if it wasn't costing me something. But Jesus is saying, there's more to life than just eating and drinking. But notice he says, for this reason. What is that reason? Let's look at the verse right before that. It says, verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to, to one and despise the other. Literally, it says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he'll be devoted, literally hold tight to 
one and despise, think very little of the other. And as if we weren't really getting the picture completely, he says, you cannot serve God and wealth. But isn't our society today focused on chasing wealth? That's all they're focused on is just the next deal. I, I drove some people this week in Uber, and he was talking about he had to get up and go to work the next day, and he was so bored with work because he was making so much money, and he was just so bored with it, and he just blew. I, I can't even tell you how much money he blew in the clubs that night. And he was just so, it was nothing to him, but he was bored in life. See, he's chasing, not that I'm judging him, but from the outward stance, it looks like he's chasing wealth. No one can serve two masters. See, you can't serve the world's way and economy and God's. There's no fence that we can ride in that. We're either going to choose one or the other. Let's continue on with verse 26 of Jesus' words. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth more than they? And who are you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toll, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like, not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. How many of you have seen flowers in the beauty of nature? It's just breathtaking. It's like there's just, there's nothing that's beautiful. Therefore, Jesus circles back this again. Do not worry, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. See, we also now see the same pattern of you can choose which one you're going to serve. They eagerly seek these things, for your heavenly Father knows all the things that you need. And there's another famous verse. 633, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. So we see Jesus giving this example and giving this whole teaching and illustrations, but what does it start off talking about? It's talking about money. You can't serve the world's economy and try and go after wealth. Not that you can't have wealth, but that can't be your whole entire focus and say, okay, now I'm going I'm to be in God's cut. I'm going to be in the world. I'm going to be with God. I'm going to go back and forth. You're going to be pulled that tug. He says, you can't do it. And why would you worry about all of these things? Because your heavenly father, when you're in his path, will give you all these things. Verse 34, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will care for itself. Now, side note, what's the very next next verses that come up? Do not judge, lest you be judged. Isn't that a blank? Like it was in the video. Here he's talking about money. It says, don't serve two things. Don't get into this whole thing. And you got to just trust God. He's got everything for you. And goes right into, don't judge. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? We see first fruit offerings is our way to honor God in a new year. So let me break it down for you just a little bit. What does that mean to us? How is that? And growth track this morning, we looked at the different ways of giving to God. So giving our first fruits is still a part of giving, but that giving can be broken into many categories. But how about our time? 
We can give our time to God. We can give our time to someone else. We can give time to our family. We can give time to a lot of things. But we need to give of our time. We have our talents. We have our gifts and our abilities. We have the, the worship team that comes up here and is giving their talents to God and to you. They're giving of themselves of something God has given them. All of us have talents, and that's the whole purpose of the next section of the growth track is to help you actually find out what your talents and gifts are. And let's discover them so we can know what's the path that God wants you to be on. But then we need to know what is our offering with our talents and with our time. And, of course, everyone knows we can offer in our finances. Romans eleven sixteen says, For if the first fruit is holy, then the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. So if the first fruits that I give to God in the beginning of a new year sets holiness in place, is I give him the offering that he's asking for and he's desiring, then it sets a course for the whole year for holiness to flow in my life. If the first fruit is holy, then the whole thing is holy because I'm setting to be on the path of not trusting in wealth, in in the things of the world, the world's economy. But I'm saying, God, I'm going to trust in you by giving you the first fruits of my time, of my talent, and also of my finances. I can think of no better way to start off the new year than by honoring God with prayer and fasting. That's why we've chosen to start off day two is day one of prayer and fasting for 21 days. Just right out the gate, we're going to go and lock in and say, okay, God, we're giving you the first of our time for this new year to say, I want to I lock into you. I want to have focused meditation on you and what you're calling me to do. And I'll tell you for myself, it's become very clear. I've gotten a lot of stuff that maybe the vision might have been like this and it's coming more and more and more like this every day that we go on. See, we can sanctify our year by our first fruit offerings in the beginning of the year. So how does this work? God has given us all of these abilities with our time, with our talents, and with our finances. So we should be looking for, in this first few days of a new year, of a way to sow into what God wants us to do with first fruits. So with our time, we should be looking and say, okay, what is a way I can do that? Well, the obvious way we've called a fast of the 21 days of prayer and fasting. But it can also be, hey, I'm going to make a slight change in my schedule. And God, I want to give you the first 15 minutes of my day. Now, that might be difficult. But sometimes New Year's resolutions are not easy. How many of us in the world... I'm sure none of you in this room, you're all perfect and you probably just, everything works out perfectly for you. But you set up this New Year's resolution that I'm going to go to the gym. My son, my oldest son, sells things with a 
with the gym and their memberships and everything. And January is the year. I mean, that's the month of the year that everybody starts going. Everybody buys a membership. No one goes, but they all buy the memberships, right? Because you have this desire that you want to do this, but you don't do it. But it's hard. What if we gave God the first 15 minutes of the day? What if we woke up before we did anything, before we grabbed our phone, before we started seeing what's on TV, checking our email? We just said, good morning, Lord. I want to take the first moments of my day to honor you. And just spent five minutes just thanking him. Thanking him that we woke up. And that's a great thing. Then have a worship song. You can pick one off our Spotify list. Just worship for a few minutes. Pick up the Bible and read for a few minutes. Fifteen minutes. Think about all the other minutes you have in the entire day. Can we do it? Can we start off our day by 15 minutes? But I want to circle back that God gave us the example in himself. He gave his first fruit offering for us. God gave his first son, his only son, but his first son as a sacrifice for us. See, there's no such thing as self-reliance. As you saw in the video, there's nothing that I can do to make my next breath come. I can't make my heart pump. I can't make all the crazy things that are happening on in our body, just like boom, 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 just constantly going, involuntarily going on. God has all of this stuff going on that I can't control. I believe that tithing is a way that we can be reminded that we don't have anything without God. Deuteronomy 8, 18 says, It is God who gives me the power to get wealth. In my computer consulting business, I had a client and they called me and their servers are down. And it was like, this is many years ago. And I was just really scared because I didn't want to lose this account and I didn't have a clue what was going on. And I went walking in there and as I'm about to reach over and grab the door to walk in the door, I said, God, I don't know what I'm doing. I really need your help. And I will tell you, as sure as he's talked to me any other time, he said, well, it's about time you ask me. See, I felt all the other times I could do it in my own smarts. And I was doing it out of my own reliance. Think of all the technology that has changed from my mom growing up in West Texas. They did not have indoor plumbing for the first part of their lives. So in the middle of the night, if nature called, you got to experience nature walking out there and you know, all the things that involved with that. I remember when we got a first TV and there's three channels on it. And I remember it's black and white. And I remember seeing stuff with the moon and we put a man on the moon and all the different things. And it's just, you could just like, there wasn't a whole lot of options. And now today, the watch on my hand, my iPad, my iPhone has more technology than we sent the man to the moon with. And it's just right here. It's just commonplace to us. My uncle, 
he was a great uncle, I guess, cracks me up. This is one of the funniest stories of my life I have to share with you. I get to share with you. It's hilarious. He moved from the farm. Again, it's that society and that, that not society, but that generation that didn't know all the fast pace of what we have. And he moves into town because it's, you know, it's, he's retiring kind of thing. And he puts a phone, not a cell phone, not even a cordless phone, but the one with the wire and the little thing that goes around, click, 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 click. And my aunt and uncle were visiting him and the phone started ringing. And he just keeps talking like nothing's going on. And my aunt keeps looking over him and it's like looking at the phone. And it's an obvious distraction, right? I mean, have you ever been there and somebody's phone's ringing and you're just like, are you going to answer that? So finally, after a while, she said, Uncle LJ, are you going to answer that? He goes, well, no. She goes, well, why not? It's ringing. He goes, I put that in there for my convenience and it's not convenient for me right now. We don't do that today, right? I mean, if we are, he's like, Stop the whole world. I got to see who's texting me, who's on Instagram, who's on Facebook, who posted me, who sent me a Snapchat. Who sent, there's just a million things that are just bombarding us. You see, when we can get away from our self-reliance and say, God, I'm going to trust in you. I'm not going to go in this economy of the world. For those of you whose social media is the thing you're fasting, I'm sure you're going through withdrawals. God knew everything from the beginning. All the technology advances that have happened. This blows my mind. You may jump in here with me. He knew all of those things before they happened. Think about the next 10 years, all the stuff that's going to happen in technology and the advances of what we're going to have. God still knows all of those things before they happen because he's all in all. So when we have a situation at work that we don't know what to do, like I was walking into my client, I said, God, I don't know what to do. I'm not looking to go, okay, well, let's find an answer over here. Open up the Rolodex and let's see if we can figure this out with him. Okay, pull up several angels. He knows it all. He knows things that are yet to come. We can say, God, I'm giving you the first fruits of my time today. And I ask you to help me in my job today. I ask you to help me in my school today. I ask you to help me and fill in the blank of what your day is. Because he's all about our success. He has a solution for us. Would you bow your heads with me? God, our Father, thank you for giving us an example of first fruits, that you don't just expect us to do what you say and not what you do. But even before we have an example of you, you sent Jesus. He took time out of heaven to come here. He left the riches of heaven to come be with us. God, you could have sent Jesus down and he just immediately paid for our sins and made this huge spectacle, but he spent 33 years here, grew up as a child, and he spent several years teaching us, and now we have a Bible to read of day by day walking through life. because you're concerned with our everyday life. 
Father, I pray that as we are all challenged, my, myself at the first of the line, to recognize you with the first fruits of our life, first fruits of our day. Lord, I wonder what our day would look like if we did that. Lord, I wonder what our month would look like if we start off every month. Lord, what would our year truly look like if we put you first in the first days? Father, I pray we all accept the challenge in Jesus' name. With your eyes still bowed, your eyes still closed and your head bowed. You see, it's all about you. God so loved you that he sent his son. He so loved you that he didn't even want to condemn you. He didn't want to put you out. He left heaven to come for you. But that you isn't just physically you, but that you extends to all the other people around us. They surround us. God sent his first fruit so that we could have a payment for our sins. Through our church, we want to see more people come to Christ and make a difference for him in their lives. I want to ask you a question with me. This is one of the revelations I got. You can open your eyes now. What would have happened if we'd have gotten the full funding that we were believing for? If we had the money come in like we were believing for to get the mailers out, to do the billboard, to do all the crazy things, we would have had 500 people in here on that first service and maybe we'd be sitting here packed out, you know, and just going 100 miles an hour, right? It's the model we're following. What would it have looked like? We would have had hundreds of people that would still be here every day for our services. This is the revelation I got. We would have slipped into church just like it's always been done. And we would have missed the opportunity that God's doing something different with us. There are 58 people who listened and watched our first service last week when we posted it. There are more people, I keep telling you, that are watching online and listening to the podcast and watching our stream and all the stuff. There's more people outside these walls. There are more people who may never even come in here that we're touching. But I can tell you that wouldn't have been my focus. I might not have even noticed had we been filled with hundreds of people. God's showing me and revealing to me that there's a different thing he's doing with us. And I believe the people will come. I believe, but it's got to be based in the one. Jesus said the good shepherd leaves the 99 to go after the one. I have a question for you. This is what I could be waiting for all day long. Michael, can you put it up? What is the one thing? This is a preparation for next week. So you can be thinking about this and noodling on this all week. What is the one thing that God did not create 
he does not have and he wants. What is the one thing? There is one thing. Only one thing. But what's the one thing that God did not create? And some of your theology is being twisted right now in your brain. God created everything. God did not create everything. There's one thing God did not create. What is it? He doesn't have it. But he wants it. That will be next week. I'll be surprised if you Google it and you find it. What's the one thing that God did not create, doesn't have, but he wants? Next week, we will look at that, and I can't wait. I'm so excited.